Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Back to the sports complex on a Tuesday afternoon on the show today. We'll get into some Big 12 basketball. Texas with a big game tonight on the road in Lubbock against Texas Tech. One of the last trips for any Longhorn team to Lubbock for the foreseeable future could be tonight. And we will uh, we'll get into that game. The other Big 12 action around college basketball little story from some Texas women's basketball. Texas baseball is in action tonight against a team that already has a big upset on their, on their record. Can they get another one tonight or Texas baseball handle business? We'll get into that little mock drafting to Patrick's big fat poll of the day. Some NFL talk. The combine is getting fired up. We aren't getting to the events and the coverage yet, but it is happening right now and some NBA talk as well, including not limited to and always a big part of the show, you guys. And your text messages, 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number uh, for you guys to join the show. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails, which means you guys, whatever you want to talk about, send those texts in. I try to answer as many as I possibly can. I try to get to every single one. We don't always get to them all, but we do appreciate everybody who texts in. So keep sending those in. If you have a something you want to talk about, we talked a lot of Texas basketball yesterday. If you want to keep talking that, if you want to talk Texas Longhorns, if you want to talk mock drafts and in, in, in NFL drafts and the combine, we can get into that. Texas baseball, I, I I can't go long on Texas baseball, but we'll talk some Texas baseball as well. Cowboys, Texans, Spurs, Mavs, Rockets, anything. You want to talk about it, we'll try and get to it uh, and talk about it on the show today. That's what we do here on The Horn. I always appreciate talking to you guys on the text line. Appreciate meeting you guys when I go out. I did get to have a nice night of in last night, uh, enjoying not a bunch of big games on, watch a little North Carolina Watch a little Baylor and TCU, which we'll get into in just a second, which wasn't a great game, but didn't really get into too much. Just kind of kind of took it easy last night on a Monday. It is feels, it feels we're getting to the part of the year where the days feel like for some reason they're getting longer and longer, but it's uh, I feel like it's just waiting for a few big things to come up and we're ready for the combine coming up and, and basketball season getting into full swing and Man, excited for uh, Texas tonight to see uh, if this is a game that Texas can get a big win in. Uh, definitely uh, last night, that game with Baylor and TCU, that game did not go as well as you would have hoped uh, as a game with two teams that have been playing pretty well. Uh, it wins up. Baylor gets the win on the road against TCU, 62-54, to but that is low scoring for both of these teams. Baylor has not been a great road scoring team, but better than 62 points. And TCU should have put up well more than 54. Uh, they just shot really poorly from three. TCU did. Goes five for 19. Uh, they shot 26% from the three-point line. That is not going to be able to get going. And one of the things TCU has been doing really well is moving the ball quickly, getting up and down the courts, getting into quick setups, 
Uh, they've been winning fast break points uh, basically every matchup in the last two or three weeks. Uh, they went eight for eight with Baylor. Uh, they tied. Both had eight fast break points. TCU did win uh, 22-9 to on points off of turnovers, so they still were able to take the turnovers that they got from Baylor and turn them into points. That has been what has been a huge part of TCU turning it around later in the season, uh, but it was not enough as they slowed the game down, Baylor did, uh, and both teams shot under 40%. That's not what you normally see with these two teams. It is kind of a Big 12, but, the Baylor, but Baylor is definitely an anomaly in the Big 12 of a much higher scoring team, and they have a higher scoring output than a lot of other teams. BYU is kind of in that category as well. They play tonight. Uh, but it's just not necessarily the funnest game in the world to watch, but a pretty close game. But Baylor gets a big win, 62-54. to 54. Uh, You kind of, if you're Texas, would like to see that because you have a win over Baylor. Uh, also, TCU and you are kind of fighting around in that range of teams that are you know not, and I know we can say t- uh, Texas on the bubble. If they lose tonight, they're definitely on the bubble. If they win tonight, they're not. Uh, but TCU and Texas are kind of both in that range of just on the edge of how many Big 12 teams are they actually going to take in the tournament? Do they decide to slip somebody else in? Especially if you get more and more uh, you know, smaller conferences that have different conference champions throughout the season and, and upsets into the conference championship tournaments. Those types of things will make less spots. Do they decide to not put 10 uh, Big 12 teams in and they try and cut down to 9 or 8? And that's where the TCU and Texas and all of those teams are going to be right in that point where you have to be a little bit more careful. So a loss for TCU is not necessarily the worst thing for Texas. Uh, get them another uh, conference loss and show that the top of the Big 12 is really, really good this season. Uh, Texas is going to be taking on Texas Tech, who is a team who has looked at points in the season like they're one of the best in the Big 12 and up at that level. They've tinkered off a little bit uh, as you know the shooting has gone down a little bit. Their scoring has gone down a little bit. Teams have started to play them a little bit better. Uh, they've come back down to earth. They're still a good basketball team, and Texas taking them on in Lubbock tonight. Uh, it's just going to be a hard matchup for Texas to get into. There are some matchups that are better for them than there were in a game in Houston. There's matchups that are better than a game against Kansas where you were just outsized and you know there was some things you had to do but you were drastically outsized you are somewhat the opposite of that tonight uh they do have Washington Warren Washington who's a big seven footer playing for Texas Tech uh that's going to give Dylan DeSue a lot of trouble this uh tonight if Dylan DeSue stays out of foul trouble I think he'll figure out ways to get around Warren Washington a little bit but it will slow him down don't expect a you know, 25, 30.9 out of uh, Dylan DeSue tonight. If he did, great. Uh, but Warren Washington is going to be in there. But the rest of the lineup is a little bit smaller. Uh, they do have a couple guys. You know, they, they're not, you know, They'll be able to stop a Max Aismas or a Tyrese Hunter and put someone on there that's a little bit bigger. Tyrese Hunter had a good game last time Texas Tech and Texas met here in Texas, even though Texas lost that game. Uh, and by the way, this is an extremely different-looking Texas team then played Texas Tech earlier in the season. If you looked at that, Dylan Asu played 17 minutes. Caden Shedrick and Brock Cunningham were both in the starting lineup. Uh, it was just a lineup that's very different than what you're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, I think you will see Caden Shedrick play a little bit and Brock Cunningham play a little bit more uh, because there is a size advantage for Texas, unless the speed of Texas Tech gets too much. Uh, but I think you'll see them try to go inside a little bit more and beat up and try and get Warren Washington in foul trouble. He's gotten in foul trouble a couple times this season. So if you can get to him and maybe get him a couple fouls going at him with a Brock Cunningham or with a Shedrick or with a DeSue, uh, you may see them go after that. Uh, Texas also in this game really has to watch out for the points off turnovers. They they allowed too many turnovers in the last game against Texas Tech. They allowed 23 points off of turnovers in that last game. Uh, but I think you're going to be looking at really one of the big pieces again. And I know we say this a lot. We know Dylan DeSue is going to go try and do what he can do inside against uh, Warren Washington and this Texas Tech team. Uh, you expect him still get in that 15 to 20 range, uh, hopefully at least 15. We know Max A. Smith. Uh, and look, I-, I pound the table enough on this. You guys know I'll pound the table on it. Try and get to the free throw line, Max. Please try to get to the free throw line. Uh, you-, you know, they don't necessarily have the size anymore where you can say they're just going to block everything, so get to the free throw line. But if those shots start falling, Texas has not necessarily been the worst shooting team this season on the road, uh, even though their numbers have dipped near the end of the seat now in these last couple of weeks because it's dipped everywhere for them in the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, they're a team that really didn't necessarily have the same drop off as some of these other teams did when they went on the road. Their numbers, you know, drop a little bit like everybody's does, but only a few percentage points. So not the worst thing in the world for them. But when you look at the size advantage uh, that Texas will have, it really comes in with Dylan Mitchell uh, at that four position where he has size and height and speed uh, at the four for Texas where they're going to try and play guard. So he's going to have to be careful with the ball, not have turnovers. But if he can get those drives, get a couple steps in, pick the ball up and go right at the basket, Dylan DeSue only has to step back a couple steps and you're going to be able to play a little two-man game Whereas Warren Washington comes over for help defense for Dylan Mitchell, you drop the ball right off to Dylan DeSue and let him go to work, get two points for you real quick. Uh, but let Dylan Mitchell drive. He had a decent game against Texas Tech last time they played. You'd like to see him go try and get involved more in this game as well uh, because Dylan Mitchell being able to drive, being able to create offensively, creates even more mismatches. It allows the defense to collapse in more, which will allow Tyrese Hunter and Max Asmus to try and get some more shots off. Uh, I think you'll see IT Horton continue to play in this game a little bit more. They're trying to get him going because they just need any offense if he can get going at any point. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the same things we've talked about. They're going to come out, and Texas is going to try and play their style of basketball early. They need to be more physical than they've been. We know that from day one, this has been a team that you have to say has to get more physical. They've shown it at points. They showed it in second half versus Tech last uh, in earlier this season. They've shown it in some other games in second halves, but not for 40 minutes. You'd like to see them come out and play just a little bit more physical off the bat, but if those shots are not falling, and if you're getting them and they're getting you open shots and they're kind of playing off a little bit, they're daring you to drive the paint. They're daring you to do those things. Run right into those guys. Go try and get to the free throw line. Texas Tech is good about getting to the free throw line as well. They have their guy, Pop Isaacs, who's been their leading scorer, and when he when his numbers start to go down, he's going to come and attack. He's going to try and get Dylan DeSue to make a mistake because we know Dylan DeSue has improved greatly of not making the bonehead plays. We know he's gotten way, way better at you know not making just a, a silly misstep where he played great defense for 10 straight minutes and the 11th minute reach in and pick up a foul that meant nothing. Uh, they're going to attack that. They're going to attack Shedrick. They'll attack Cunningham because they know the refs are real quick on the whistle on Cunningham, which you know at some point is just unfair uh, that he just got a reputation and now these Big 12 officials just don't care and will call anything on him. Uh, and he does foul, sure, but they call a lot of stuff where this season he's had to back off a lot. And you know because the style of play is for Texas is not so physical, when he comes in and tries to be physical, uh, they, the refs just don't allow it for him. And uh, But we'll see. They'll attack all of those guys, try to get some guys in foul trouble with Pop Isaacs, and try and get him on the free throw line if he's not hitting. And again, you don't want to let any of these guys get off. You, you had that problem with Kansas uh, that you were trying to play a little bit off, allow, not you know, stop the points in the paint a little bit, try and get away from you know just allowing them to drive on you all game and use their size so you step back a little bit to you know, dare them to take the harder shot, and you allowed them to get some, hit, there's some shots going in early. And it was just all downhill from there for Texas. So you are going to have to be able to get in some matchups against this uh, Texas Tech team where you really, really going to have to try hard to keep your intensity up, keep your energy up, and understand one thing about this Texas Tech team that we have seen all season long in all of their games. There is zero quit in this Texas Tech team. These guys will fight you till the bitter end. If you can get up, you'll get up 35 points at half, and it's not over. They'll still fight you. And I'm not saying Tech will be up 35 at half. Uh, but there's a Texas Tech team that is not going to go away. So even if Texas does play well, gets a lead half, or if Texas is up by five or six with four or five minutes to go, that is where you really have to crank up your intensity and your energy know what the tape you've been watching is know what the scouting report of this texas tech team is and understand that you have to go after this texas tech team for 40 minutes those last eight minutes for texas tech has been really good to them this season and not really good to texas uh that's the last eight minutes is where you kind of really worry about texas in this game and I know you worry about it all over that if, if Max Asmus uh, continues to miss shots and refuses to go and try and create outside of taking jump shots, uh, then yeah, you, you know, you're probably going to be up against a hard place because they do have a big seven footer going up against Dylan DeSue. There, there is going to be a hard point if, if Max Asmus doesn't want to play basketball and he just wants to shoot, you're going to have problems. I think he can go in there and create, I think he can do more things. 
I'm hoping and, and praying that eventually one day he'll start to get it. Uh, but in the last game, we saw he was able to get out and create stuff to get Tyrese Hunter open, and Tyrese Hunter was hitting those shots. If you get Tyrese Hunter open, can he hit some big shots in this game? Can Dylan Mitchell attack the paint and get some shots and create mismatches, get Warren Washington to move off of Dylan DeSue, get their defense to collapse in, get IT Horton open shots? Can Kendall Weaver be a bigger impact this game playing against Pop Isaacs where he'll probably be guarding him a good percentage of the game trying to bring that energy can he get him to create some turnovers, trying to create shots, get him to take bad shots, uh, get him into situations he doesn't want to be in? If you can create those mismatches, then Texas has a decent shot in this game. This is not a game like Kansas or Houston where they really had to bring their 110%. You've got to be better than you've been all season to win games. This is a winnable game if you go out there and play the right style of basketball. I know. I know. That's a lot to be asked of this Texas team in the last – Two weeks that they have not looked particularly good, especially against good teams. The only thing we can say, statistically, they have not lost back-to-back games in February. Now, they haven't won back-to-back games either. They've been trading back and forth. If that if that trend continues through the last game of February, then that would mean that Texas would get a win tonight. That's what you're hoping to see against the Texas Tech team because it would mean a lot because if you win this game against Texas Tech, that means all you have to do is win your last two home games and you're 500 in the Big 12, and I think 500 in the Big 12 gets you into the tournament. That's what you're looking to be, 500 in the Big 12. That also means winning one uh, Big 12 tournament game, by the way, because that would knock you back down. I know tournament games don't count necessarily in the standings, but we're saying it would knock you down uh, to having one more loss in the Big 12. So you got to get a tournament win uh, as well in there too. But I think the win tonight puts you in a lot better place. And Texas Tech is already pretty much in. I don't know if they have that same amount. We know the fans are going to have huge vitriol for Texas. We know the fans are going to be coming hard for this Texas team. Going to Lubbock, they hate them. This is, again, the last matchup between Texas Texas basketball and and the Texas Tech Red Raiders in Lubbock. So the fans are going to be bringing out uh, everything they can be a little bit later game too, so a little bit more drinking for these fans before they get in there. Uh, it's gonna be it'll be a crazy environment for Texas. Hopefully they can thrive off of that uh, and and show that they have that intestinal fortitude uh, to be able to get out and, uh, and and put a win tonight. Texas Tech's gonna be playing hard as they always do, uh, but I I don't know if they have the necessary you know, that they really need this. I think Texas back up against the wall here. Could be a huge win for Texas. We'll talk about it tomorrow, and you'll see me get yelling and screaming again about what's happening or or yelling and screaming that we're happy that Texas figured out what to do against Texas Tech. Uh, but that's happening tonight. We'll also see BYU in Kansas tonight. Uh, BYU's headed to Kansas. This seems like another uh, great matchup for Kansas where BYU has just not been the same team on the road at all. They've been really good at home, uh, but not the same team on the road. The BYU is allowing close to 80 points a game on the road. That is going to be a problem against a Kansas team that came against Texas and looked on fire. Uh, McCullers is still going to be out in this game. Did not stop them against Texas. Don't know if it's going to stop them against BYU either. Uh, But BYU does have some firepower. They could come out. If they want to come out and start hitting threes, they haven't been as great on the road. But if they hit some big shots against Kansas, uh, they're going to be looking to pull off an upset as the new guys uh, in the Big 12 but it looks like this should be a Kansas win uh, without too much effort and too much drama against BYU tonight. I want to mention before I get to some baseball talk, uh, women's basketball, I saw this this morning, so I want to spread the love to women's basketball out there that uh, they're doing the 10K for 10K. They've done this before. Uh, the final uh, regular season game, the senior night uh, for Texas women's basketball is on Saturday. It's on Saturday versus BYU. It's a 7 p.m. game. Uh and the deal is, if 10,000 people get come to this game, buy tickets, come to this game, pack it out for uh, the Texas women's basketball team, show them a great send-off for a team that has overachieved greatly after the Roy Harmon injury, uh, this team that is number three in the country right now, if you guys can go out there and support, tickets are $9 and $15. That's what I'm saying. The expensive tickets right now available for fans is $15. 10K people come in. Vic Schaefer will donate $10,000 of his own money to the neighborhood Longhorns. It's a really cool thing that he does to try and support his team uh, and get some people out for this last game, get them a great send-off, get them ready for the tournament where they're going to go try and make a run. Said so This is the number three team since that Roy Harmon injury. Uh, they have solidified and galvanized themselves as a unit 
uh, that they felt, you know, even though they're, you know, the favorite in most of these games, that they had a little bit of that underdog mentality and that, that junkyard dog mentality that this woman team needed, that a Vic Schaefer team needs. Uh, so a cool thing happening there. Uh, if you want to get your tickets, check that out on uh, Texas Women's Basketball website. Uh, but yeah, March, March 2nd, it's Saturday, 7 p.m. You can get tickets for $15. You can get the tickets for $9 for the general admission tickets. Uh, if you have kids, if you've got a plan, no plans on Saturday night, you want to go enjoy yourself at the Moody Center, uh, check out a fun game where it's going to be rocking for women's basketball. Check that out. Uh, 10K for 10K is what they call it uh, to support the Neighborhood Longhorns Foundation. It'll be a cool thing there, so shout that one out. Uh, and then Texas baseball tonight taking on uh, St. John's. Texas baseball taking on St. John's. Max Grubbs is going to get to start tonight. Uh, he's pitched, uh, pitched twice against Cal Poly in relief, pitched against uh, uh, Cal Poly. Actually, pitched Cal Poly once. He pitched against San Diego twice in relief. Uh, but this is a St. John's team that did opening day beat number two Florida. Florida, who's a really good baseball team, they get the upset against them uh, first game of the season. Those games get rained out. The rest of the game, uh, the rest of the games that series are canceled. So we don't know how the rest of the series would have gone. Uh, but St. John's gets that uh, first big win uh, early in that series and early in the season. Uh, they went one in three against Houston. So a good matchup for Texas against St. John's on a Tuesday matchup. A team that has a lot of firepower. Uh, we'll see if this pitching staff can stick with what they were trying to do against uh, Cal Poly, where they you know didn't allow a run. But the big thing you saw was they lowered that amount of walks. That was a real issue that opening weekend was the amount of walks that were given up. And David Pierce was getting pretty upset about it. He was pulling guys out of games pretty quickly uh, when they were not having the control. So we'll see tonight against St. John's if they're able to get that control still going with Max Grubbs uh, and the rest of the bullpen and get a big win. Uh, We'll also see Tanner Witt did not pitch this weekend. If he comes in out of the bullpen, if they try and use him in a different situation, or if they're saving him uh, and maybe using him uh, in the matchup in Houston in that tournament this weekend. Uh, but a good matchup tonight against St. John's. Again, when you're playing a team that already has one big upset, they have the confidence uh, to, for early in the season that they can come in, and if you give them a couple runs, it's going to be you know everything against. I believe that won that first game 9-5 to five against Florida. Uh, so they were able to put up some runs. If you give subs some runs, they're going to feel like they have a really good shot against Texas. You don't want to take that loss against St. John's on a Tuesday. Uh, they're a pretty good baseball team. I believe the series overall is tied 2-2 between St. John's and Texas, so you get the rubber match uh, tonight as well. If anybody wants to watch that, that'll be a fun time to check out. All right, let's get to the big fat poll of the day. We'll push this mock draft stuff back to the 5 o'clock hour, but how about uh, we get to the big fat poll today, get you guys involved there on the text line. Patrick's big fat poll of the day on the horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day today, 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh, I've got some audio from Stephen Jones from the Combine as things are starting to get heated up. Uh, general managers are starting to show up. A lot of coaches are not, but a lot of general managers are showing up. Owners, those types of guys are starting to show up at the Combine, starting to have player interviews and all of that. So let's get in to the question of the day. For the We saw Stephen Jones mention that he wants to get the deals done, the re-signings of some of their big names, Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott, that they want to. He wouldn't give a schedule. He wouldn't give a plan. We'll play the audio in a little bit. But we know those three guys are guys that you want to get re-signed. The question of the day is, who is the most important person for the Cowboys to re-sign this offseason? Now, you could say Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott. Those are your big three pieces. They're under contract for another year. So we could say, is it a free agent that you want to see them bring back for another year? Tyron Smith. Do you want to see Tony Pollard come back? Stephon Gilmore, Jordan Lewis in the secondary. Do you want to see Jonathan Hankins on the defensive line? Him come back for another year with that run defense that he's one of the few guys that's done anything to slow it down. Do you want to see Tyler Biotish at center? Do you want to see him? Who is the most important person for the Cowboys to re-sign this offseason? Is it one of the big three of Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, and Dak Prescott? Or is it one of the free agents? Let me know. That's the question of the day. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will play a little hook-em-up replay talking about the Combine, getting you ready for Combine action 
We'll keep talking about it. It's it's interesting. They're starting to arrive, and you're starting to see the news come out of it and the spins come out of it. We'll talk about it more uh, here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Sports Complex. Ah! Of the Horn. Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon. Just talk some Texas basketball, a little Texas women's basketball, some Texas baseball. Uh, and the big fat poll today, who is the most important person for the Cowboys to re-sign this offseason? Let us know on the text line, 512-447-3776 is the text line rotator. And uh, why don't we do a little hook em up replay here. Uh, talking this morning about the combine and some uh, some interesting parts of that. Uh, it's a little Rod's rant and uh, some uh, some you know some different talk. I believe uh, on this little clip here uh, from uh, Hook 'Em Up Replay here on the Sports Complex. All right, uh, first before we uh, get started, shout out. We we're just talking about Texas State baseball because they're going to face off against uh, Texas. Um, in Houston down there in Minute Maid. But Texas football, Texas State football, uh, just landed a commitment from uh, James Madison quarterback transfer, Ooh. Jordan McLeod. He was the JMU. Sun Belt Player of the Year who uh, threw for over 3,600 yards and 35 touchdowns at James Madison. Um, Ty, what did you, you say he was 24 years old? He's played, it's his fifth year. That's uh, uh, I, I googled him. He was born in 1999. It said 24 on Wikipedia. So okay, yeah. Um, I mean, he's the Sun Belt Player of the Year. This is this is huge for GJ yeah, GJ Kenny because he needed a quarterback desperately, and you got one of the better quarterbacks uh, in the country. Actually, uh, reigning Sun Belt Player of the Year, Jordan McLeod, in that system. And I, I pointed this out last year. If you look at the most improved offenses in college football last year, Texas State is at the top. I mean, they had the – if you look at most improved offenses, scoring offense from 22 to 23, I mean, as Texas State is right there toward the top. And they could make another – they could take another leap with a veteran quarterback. Um, I like that system. I like what G.J. Kinney's doing, and I love this acquisition. It is a big-time acquisition. He spent two seasons at Arizona uh, from in 21 and 22 – uh, if you go look at, he spent uh, two seasons at South Florida as well, and most recently was at uh, James Madison. So okay, he's he's he is taking advantage of the transfer portal. Good for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, McLeod led James Madison to an eleven and one record. That's awesome. Well, good for GJ. He and can it, recruit, man. They're, they're, they're yeah, they're, that's big. That, that's big time, man. Because in, in I mean, you the NIL think- world, that's <laughs> I'm sure he got big time offers. I'm not saying that they couldn't match it, but it wasn't all about. NIL, I don't think, for him. Correct. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, it speaks of his ability. People want to play in that offense, and look, NIL is out there, but it's not like you know Texas State is overflowing with with. Uh, That's what I'm. Yeah, exactly. With, right. Uh, their resources, NIL are limited. I'm sure they're they're doing what they can, but at the same time, that's a. It's a tough ask right now, but to, to get him this late in the process is big because they were going to head into spring practice without a player, without a quarterback. Yeah, because yeah, Texas no, State. How, how do they get him? How do they catch up on school? I don't know. That's a great question. Maybe because he's, so, he's been in school for so long. Maybe he's maybe already. He's done. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe there's something about it. Maybe he's not a grad. Maybe he's a grad transfer. I don't know. I got to go look and see. Um, but remember, Texas State, to your point, made headlines at the quarterback position when Arizona transferred Jaden uh, Delora. 
pledge to the Bobcats, which resulted in starter T.J. Finley transferring to Western Kentucky after he led the program to eight wins and their first ever bowl victory. Uh, Delara left the program after off off-field issues surfaced, so essentially that left them with without a quarterback. Um, and McLeod's going to give them a proven veteran, uh, you know, presence there at the QB position, a proven commodity. So, congrats to Texas State fans. GJ. Yeah, I know they're really excited about the program, and a lot of them were stressed out about the QB position as well. They they should be. All right, let's talk about the uh, Longhorns, and really now let's get into a. There is a certain um, a factor that is starting to play a bigger role in evaluations of uh, player skill sets by scouts at the NFL level and at the college level, um, looking at the high school prospects coming out. And uh, shout-out to uh, Dave Campbell, Texas Football, because where I got a lot of the, uh, the information here. But it was, um, it's an article that they started talking about multi-sport athletes and actually quoted Steve Sarkeesian in his article uh, discussing multi-sport athletes and how important it is for coaches evaluating prospects coming out of high school, of course, uh, but also NFL scouts uh, who evaluate prospects coming out of college, how they go deep, deep into your background as an athlete and as a player and for some of those uh, scouts that they actually are looking more and more at two sport athletes, that it actually is a positive data point when they're evaluating players and they're evaluating talent that they, you know, look at the background of a multi-sport athlete. And uh, they revealed that in from 2022 to 2024, uh, Dave Campbell Sex Football said there were 607 signees that ended up signing with a FBS school from the state of Texas. And 67% of that group, uh, you're talking about 404 of them, ended up playing another sport of some kind. Now, most of the time, that other sport was track and field. Uh, I believe around 80% of the time it was track and field. Basketball, it was close to 20% of the time, basketball was that other sport uh, they ended up playing. Um, but it, more and more, you're starting to see NFL scouts, like I said, NFL scouts consider uh, the background even of these elite players. If you go look at the first rounders from 2008 to 2017 in the NFL draft, 88% of them uh, were multi-sport athletes in high school, <clears throat> which is a really, really big number. I mean, that's a huge number. 88% of them were multi-sport athletes. And some scouts look at it as, you know, I like a player with a well-rounded skill set. And, you know, you, you look at guys who can play multiple sports, who can play you know, football and then play basketball or football and track or football and baseball, whatever it may be, that those guys have a well-rounded skill set and a, an athletic intelligence that you can only gain by, you know, diversifying your athletic skill set and cultivating it in a diverse manner uh, by playing different sports instead of being so specialized. Uh, and then there are other coaches like Sark, actually. Sark talks about uh, recruiting multi-sport athletes because of the competitive spirit that you have to have to, can, to, to go out there and play multiple sports. Um, talks about how these guys oftentimes are not as selfish uh, as a, a specialized players. Now, this is something they consider because they know they're not going to be elite in all the sports, um, but they just like to compete, and they want to contribute to the team. They may be elite in football or maybe elite in baseball, but you're not going to be elite in all the sports. But if you play all the sports, it does show that you have a competitive nature yeah. and a competitive sickness about you. And it's not always about being the best and when you're praised. Hell, sometimes you may be the fifth best player on the basketball team, but you're the best player on the football team. Um, you know, you may be the fourth fastest guy on the track team, you know, but you're the best player on the football team. But it's all about competing, all about improving, and all about getting better. Sark says, this is a quote from Sark. He said, uh, the first thing I look for in recruiting, and I know this sounds odd, I try to identify really unique competitors. Forget skill set. Naturally, we're there for uh, them because of their size, length, speed, whatever. But is he a competitive human being? What I mean by competitive is – does he play multiple sports? I think that matters. 
um, when Sonny Dykes was being quoted uh, about this in this article from Dave Campbell, he says, I think one of the most important things we want to see from people is a competitive spirit, somebody who's unselfish and somebody who wants to help the team. A lot of times these athletes will run track. They may not be the fastest or the best, but they want to help their team. And that says a lot about who they are and what kind of player they are in their character. So you said, some coaches, maybe even most of the coaches, are looking at it from a consp- competitive spirit standpoint, how to evaluate somebody's competitive spirit, how to evaluate their competitive sickness, their drive. Uh, and other coaches are looking at it from, or probably both, um, this is a guy that has a well-rounded skill set. This is a skill set that can translate because they were a basketball player. They have good feet, uh, hand-eye coordination because they, you know, play, you know, baseball. If he was a quarterback, uh, he can throw from different arm angles. There are certain skills that can easily translate. But, I mean, the more and more that is becoming a, a popular uh, thing to uh, – a factor – um, to uh, to evaluate in a player's background as a player as a as a football player, whether an athlete, period, uh, whether it be recruiting them from out of high school or recruiting them out of college. Now, not a lot of guys are playing in multiple sports in college. By then, you're specialized. But in terms of refining the skill set and cultivating the skill set, the background of it and being diverse in the sports you play, I think it does matter. And you can tell it matters to NFL scouts, and you can tell it's starting to matter to college football coaches too. Yep, uh, without a doubt. And, uh, you know, because when you're playing on a team, Rod, you got to go to practice. I mean, you got to be out there working. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you just it's competitive. You want to be out there. You don't want to – you know, you know, not not be out there with your teammates. I mean, those are things you're looking for, without a doubt. And I mentioned Arch Manning won a state championship playing basketball. Yep. Um, gosh, we heard from Todd Dodge back in the day that uh, Quinn Ewers was on the track team. Yeah, when he was growing up at South Lake yeah, Carroll. Yeah, I did not know that yeah. actually. Yeah, actually ran track. I mean, uh, um, you know, at Duncanville, Colin Simmons, the incoming pass rusher, he, he's one of the. I mean, I don't know how many guys have won multiple state football championships and won a state basketball title. Yeah, in the point. state of Texas, the six A level. Yeah, that's tough. That's yeah, a that's a big boy. That's a competitive dude. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Hill, I think, was a ran track yep. too. I mean, it's I, I I do think it's important. And also, when you play multiple sports and you're not so specialized at the high school level, I think you know the belief is your ceiling is higher once you start to specialize in a sport because like you said you got to go to practice for the other sport you also got to go to school you got to do other things and when you're not specializing you're playing two and three other sports and you still manage to achieve at an elite level or a really high level in one of those sports the projection would be all right once they focus all their energy all of their efforts all the all their athleticism in one sport instead of dividing it up among two or three that they will exponentially improve uh, as a football player or whatever sport that they decide to specialize in at the time. So that's the belief, too, that you don't want someone specialized too early because it seemed, the belief that they, they hit their ceiling earlier, too, that, they are, that they're probably closer to their ceiling as a player when they have been specialized all throughout their high school career. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that a lot. All right, so uh, Sark and the Longhorns, is, you know, I think we'll see this some of these in the NFL scouting combine, you know, multiple sport athletes will be oh, a, yeah. a big topic from uh, – Hell, from, Cooper, from the, the white cornerback that is the last – you know, the, the one who is going – Cooper DeGene, the Cooper Iowa cornerback yeah. uh, who's going to be drafted in the first round. Uh, he's he, – I don't think he's going to work out the combine, though. I think he's going to work out at pro day. People think he could run, run one of those, the the, uh, the best 40 times. Yeah, he's going he's he's to be, f- be one of the fastest players. Freak athlete, man. I mean, played everything. He's one of those guys we can talk about later, but he's one of those dudes that was a multiple-sport athlete that played, like, three different sports and excelled at all of them, not just playing them. was one of the best in, in his state. Yeah. In different sports like that. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, he was basketball player, like oh, Mr. Basketball. Mr. He was he, he was a quarterback in high school playing yep. football, but he got to Iowa and decided he needed to play corner and, you know, revolutionize and bring back the white cornerback. Hey, oh, man. it's time, man. I felt like <laughs> I had some guilt about that at one point in my life because they drafted me to replace Jason Seahorn. It did not work out the way the Giants planned. But <laughs> I'm glad now the white cornerbacks make the comeback. You guys have been advocating for a while. Yeah, he played basketball, baseball, and ran track in high school. Was in fast basket- as hell. In basketball, his, he had 1,832 p- career points. Uh, that ranked him behind Iowa and NFL tight end TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> and 55 points ahead of uh, first-team All-American and NBA player Harrison Barnes. 
on the all-time scoring list in the state. 218 steals rank him on the state's all-time list, eight ahead of Marcus Page. He had the fastest 100-yard dash time of any runner in the state during his senior year, and at the time of his high school graduation, held the sixth-best long jump in state history. <laughs> God. Yeah. And he, 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 he has to be a first-round pick. And he had offers out of uh, coming out of high school to play other sports um, and to play quarterback. But he chose playing defense at Iowa over playing quarterback. I think South Dakota State, they wanted him to play quarterback. And some other uh, smaller schools wanted him for other sports. But he wanted to play football and he wanted to play defense. And he's going to make history. Going to be the first white starting quarterback in a long time. Good for him. I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, that's, that's where we're headed uh, with the NFL draft. We're looking forward to it. D linemen and linebackers will hit the field to, on Thursday. Um, of course, the Longhorns with 11 players. Headed up there uh, to the combine. Good stuff there from Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. Weekday mornings here on the Horn. Uh, it is interesting. All that uh, multi sport, the competitiveness, when we see that, it's funny because you draw the correlation now. And, you know, and in the basketball world, when they're talking about, you know, All Star weekend and the guys used to be more competitive and now the competitive edge changes in different ways. And we see people complaining more about refs than, than you know, tr- complaining about the other team. And it's just a weird world of trying to find it, and that's Sark's way of pretty much finding a, a line in it of how do I determine a more competitive person, someone who wants to compete all the time. I was listening to a thing about Victor Wimanyama about how he was not the guy who was, you know, he's he's much more, he was more cerebral in it, and it's a different generation of guys uh, that are still super competitive and want to compete in everything, but they're, you know, he wasn't somebody that, like he understood the way to get he wants to be the best, so it's not necessarily I want to go out and compete right away and I need to be on the court right now and doing this, but it's what's the best gives me the best odds to win a title in the next two or three seasons. It's a different kind of thinking. I think there's a lot more people putting their two cents on it with social media. Everybody's reaching in, and it's not so much the old, you know, you just meet up on the basketball court, you meet up on the football field, and you go from there. There's so much more, and there's so much more communication where, you know, it didn't used to be. You know, when people say, well, all these players talk now. Well, yeah, man, all the players talk now. Of course they do. They're on social media. It's, it's you know, two clicks of a button, and you're talking to somebody else versus back in the day you had to go reach out and try and get someone's phone number at their home to call them up and then set up a meeting and do that, where now you're like, oh, no, we're just all, you know, we're, we're on a, a, you know, we're on Twitter and we're talking or we're on a, you know, we're on a, t- a text thread because we have a mutual friend and we're talking there. The, the groups, it, it, you know, you're not going to be able to stop people knowing each other and that changing the edge of compet- uh, competitive people. But when you find guys and find ways to find people that have that inherent switch in them that they do not want to lose, that they hate losing, and will do anything to fight it, not just on the court and on the field, but outside of it, that's what I think Sark is looking for. And it's an interesting look at uh, what this Texas team is trying to find to find the best players and the best culture fit for this Texas team going forward. All right, text lines open, 512-447-3776. So we've got already a few in there. We'll get back to those and start answering those in just a minute. When we come back on the other side, the Big Fat Poll today, who is the most important person for the Cowboys to re-sign? Is it one of the big names, Micah, CD, Dak? Is it one of the guys that is a free agent that is more important to you to get right away? Who do you think that is? Uh, If you want to talk Texas football, Texas basketball, Texas women's basketball, Texas baseball, if you want to talk some NBA or NFL, we'll get into those in the 5 o'clock. Anything you want to talk, hit us up on the text line, 512-447-3776. We'll come back and start getting the text line here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on the Horn.
back on the Sports Complex here on a Tuesday afternoon. Big Pat Paul today, who's the most important person for the Cowboys to re-sign this offseason? Is it somebody that's a free agent? Is it one of the big three guys that they need to get contract extensions done for? Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, Dak Prescott. Is it one of those guys? Let me know what you think. 512-447-3776. You want to talk some Texas sports? Texas basketball got a big game tonight against Texas Tech. Uh, you talk Texas women's basketball. Their 10K for 10K is Saturday. They also play again tomorrow night. Uh, Texas baseball taking on St. John's tonight. St. John's already got that upset over Florida on the season. They're going to be coming into town, seeing what they can do here. Uh, I want to talk some combine, some NFL, some NBA, any of it. Hit me up here on the text line, 512-447-3776. My man Chan kicking things off says, uh, chance of winning tonight. Uh, for the men's basketball team, uh, I will say chance of winning tonight. It's not terrible. It's better than it's been. Uh, man, I'll give him 50 50. I'll give him 50. I feel like that's pretty nice. It may be like 45, uh, but I'll give him 50 50 tonight because I think they are the more talented team in this one. Whereas in Houston, you know, that team's just really, really good. Kansas was more talented, had better size. Uh, you could compete with them, you could beat them if you really played well, but you weren't. I think Texas Tech, you have the talent advantage on them. The question is, can you put it together? Can you uh, get some shots to fall? And if they don't, can you adjust your game at all? Or do you continue to just take up shots and hope that it works? Uh, But I'll give them 50-50 in this one because it is a game they can win. They've been able to respond pretty well so far this season. Uh, So we'll see. They've been playing away and then home and then winning the home ones and losing on the road. Uh, If they can come back and win on the road here, will be huge for the season. So I will say 50-50 on that one. Uh, Zell says, please, please, Max A, yes. And Zay gave Texas only a 30% chance of winning because of poor shooting spree and their raucous crowd. They've been camping for game tickets in line since Friday where they toss tortillas on the court. It's a football thing, I think. I don't think that's a basketball thing. I think that's a football thing. Uh, I also, the rumor I've always heard about it was that it was started because the Aggies said that all there was in, in Lubbock was like the college and tortilla factory and there was nothing else there, which is rich coming from someone from College Station. But, uh, I don't. I don't think it has really. I think it was originally that, and then they made it their own thing. Uh, but I do not believe they're going to. Who knows? They may. Who knows? I mean, but uh, it's it's Lubbock. You you can't get on anything. They're going to be loud and everything else. That should get you more pumped up and ready to play. Uh, you should be more ready to go on the road in a place like that because they're going to. It's about you more than it's about even their own team, and that's something that you can kind of feed off of. That it is about we hate Texas. You know, Texas Tech, we like them, but we hate Texas. You can go, you can feed off of that. And I know that's, it, you know, I Texas Tech fans will probably not like that that theory. That is a little bit uh, a homer take on that one. <laughs> I'll give you. Uh, Dexter says, if the question they need to sign their center, Tyler Biotish. It is. And, and the question for Biotish, and this has kind of been what you have to worry about for the Cowboys. Uh, what I think they've been thinking is, do you want to go get a – is what is Biotish asking for? Are we going to pay him now? Because the reason he was really good, because he was a good uh, center, he wasn't great. He's not Travis Frederick. He's not one of you know a super great all-pro center. But he's a good, serviceable center. If you pay him like that and he's willing to come play for Texas as a reasonable center rate uh, or play for the Cowboys at a reasonable center rate, then sure. Then, yeah, you need to go get him back. I think they're a little worried that he may be asking for big money now because he got you know that fourth round uh, salary for the last few years. And if you know they get cocky, which the Cowboys have before, they'll say, "Well, we can go draft another center. We can go get you know sign somebody for cheaper and make them into something great." Uh, I don't know if that'll be the case, but I know there's some other centers out there. They may feel if the price is too high for what they want to at least let him go test the market and see if they see if they can go get somebody else. But I, I don't know. It's an interesting one with Biotish because I know that they they probably like to get it done, but I don't think they want to give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Of all the players, they're like, man, we took a shot on you taking you. We've been the team to help you get in that position. I, and, and Tyler Biotish has every right to think on the flip side of that, man, I've helped you guys out a ton. So if we want to say both of them have that viewpoint, uh, I don't know where the middle ground will be. We'll just have to see if he's going to give Jerry the hometown discount or not. Uh, if he doesn't, it could take a little bit longer, and they could look at some other options at center. That could definitely be a piece. And they could say, we're going to draft somebody, and we'll we'll go get a, a makeover center. And I know Steven said they're going all in. I'll play the sound of that where it doesn't, it you know, it, all in, he kind of puts it in a different term. But 
Uh, but that I, I could see them doing that and going out and signing, you know, a guy for a one or two year deal and drafting somebody to to bring up behind him. That I could see them doing that if if Biotis wants too much money. Uh, but I'm with you. I think they need to figure out their center position. You got to figure out your own line if you really want to go for it. But we'll see. And Tyron Smith, that question is going to be what it is. Uh, Jimmy the Gringo says, "Good afternoon, happy Tuesday, Patrick. Thank you, uh, Big Fat Paul. I have no salt in the game. Who?" Uh, so who the Cowboys keep, uh, don't really care about it, but I do think their biggest will be Micah Parsons because he is a leader in the mouth of the team right now. He is, he is being the mouth, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. And I would love to see Dylan Mitchell channel as Dennis Rodman and have a double-double type of game. Uh, I see Weaver and Hunter finally getting their offense going and taking pressure off Acemas. I'm praying with Tech in the last game in Lubbock. Hopefully there won't be any tortillas. Again, tortillas. I don't think the tortillas is a basketball thing. I could be off. If you got anybody from Lubbock listening, let me know if there's tortillas planned for tonight. Uh, I think Kendall Weaver, your your offense more. I'd love to see him. Uh, he loves to attack the rim. I'd love to see him if he attacks the rim and you get uh, you, you get somebody out and get one of the rim protectors out to dish that ball off to a Dylan Mitchell, uh, dish that ball off to a Dylan to sue. If Warren Washington comes out on that play, uh, I'd love to see Kendall Weaver get some assist getting it to the other guys because they don't have three or four big guys that are going to be, you know, all stopping them. So if Kendall Weaver can draw traffic his way and I'd love to see that, or if he's going to go inside, get fouled, go up strong, get down and, and Kendall Weaver, we've seen will go for it all and, uh, and attack the rim with, with reckless abandon. We know he will do that. Uh, so I, that's kind of what I like to see with him. I don't think his three point. I'd love to see it get better. Uh, hasn't been great all season long. I don't expect it too much more. Uh, I think they're allowing him to shoot it a little bit more because they know he's in a, a threat to attack the, the rim. So I think he may be able to get some open threes. Uh, if he hits him, great. Uh, but I attack the rim, get, foul, get fouls, or get the center to come off of Dylan DeSue or Dylan Mitchell and try and get some easy points that way would be big. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, and as all says, praying that we beat Tech in our final game in Lubbock. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Come back to the text line. Keep going on the poll, 512-447-3776. We'll get into some more NFL talk. We'll get into some uh, NBA talk as well. We come back here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, hornfm.com.